section on the on the local church. <clears throat> can we can we start now, Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Elisa wasn't my wife this time, you know. <clears throat> um, uh, we're near the bottom of the page 181 that the the church is dis, is distinct, and uh, we're we're going to be talking uh, obviously about the church here. But let's let's do some reading, uh, and then we'll we'll do some discussion. Um, the church is more than a building. We talked about that last week. Uh, it is a place where Christians meet together, together to grow uh, in God's word, to glorify God, and to build lasting friendships uh, with other Christians. Now, for, for those of you that have been in multiple churches, I know my wife and I have been, uh, I, I know Jim and Angie have been, uh, you guys have been, and you know, I mean, some of you know, know what I'm talking about. Um, some of the best friends that you can have in the world uh, come from churches that you've been in. You know, like for you guys, uh, your job moved you around, so you had the opportunity to be in multiple churches. And you know, they, and I, I don't know, but I'm I'm assuming that there are some of those people that you still stay in contact with. Uh, and and the same with you guys, and and you know, so on and so forth. Um, so the 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 idea of a local church is is to um, one of the ideas of the local church is to allow people to become close friends. Uh, I can say this with all sincerity. Um, <clears throat> uh, there was a time in my life. Now <clears throat> I, I, I want to be careful how I say this because most of you know my parents. Um, and uh, <laughs> but there was a time in my life when we lived in South Carolina that we had friends in church that were closer to us than than my family because they lived you know out, out here in California and Nevada and yeah and you know so that but you know there were people that God brought into our lives that were more precious to us than our own family at times. And um, and I believe that is one of the reasons why God instituted the local church to give us that that network, if you would, of, of friends. <clears throat> Let's continue reading. Uh, the church is not simply a universal body of safe people. Uh, it is comprised of local uh, assemblies uh, that consist of saved, baptized believers. Throughout the New Testament, this is your next blank here. Throughout the New Testament, emphasis is placed on the local church, uh, individual bodies of believers who gather together uh, as a uh, church and follow the New Testament pattern of church practices. Now, I want to stop here because of this word, this blank that we just filled in here, the word local. Why, why do you think that there is such an overemphasis, if you would, of the word local. Anybody? Okay. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. That's that's good. That's who you interact with. Okay. It's who you interact with, right? Okay. Anybody else? These are all really good answers, by the way. There, you, there you go. And that, and and that's the really the core where, where I want wanting to go with this. See, 
<clears throat> when, when you have a centralized, for lack of better terms, church government, uh, and I'll pick on the Catholic Church just because they're the largest. Um, when you have a centralized church government in Italy, in a place called the Vatican, they don't know what the needs of the people in Friendly Nevada are. You, you follow me? They cannot know what the needs are. And it's not and, and what you end up with if you if you put the emphasis on the church, you end up with religion. And if but if you put the emphasis on the local church, then we as a body can meet each other's needs. And it's and it's all about individual. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I wrote this down and I, I, I wanted to read it because I, this is this is how I understand it. Um, struggles in every church are real. But they're not all the same in every church. Does that make sense? Paul, Paul, we just finished the books of First and Second Thessalonians, and Paul dealt with problems that were specific to the the the, the church in Thessalonica. He he was dealing with specific problems within that church, and he was helping the believers there. Now, as 21st century believers. <clears throat> can we identify with some of the problems that were happening in the first in the in the church in, in Thessalonica? Well, absolutely we can. But they still were not exactly the same because the culture is very, very different. Exactly. So, you know, he 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 dealt with the the, the church of of of, of uh, Corinth and Philippi and 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 Thessalonica and over and over and over, Paul is dealing with different problems within different local churches and the <clears throat> the the principles that Paul taught are principles that go across the board into every local church. But not every local church is going to have the exact same problem. So you can't, if you centralize your quote-unquote church government, then you get a lot of policies that come down the pike that have nothing to do with your church. You, you, you follow me? So that is, that is one of the reasons why in the New Testament, when God set up the, the, New, the, the New Testament church, the emphasis is on a very specific word and that is local because our church needs to be able to meet the needs of our church does that make sense so i just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the, that this idea of the local church because <clears throat> religion teaches that it is about a central church but God teaches it is about the local church. So <clears throat> any questions before we move on? No? Okay, let's, let's continue reading. Um, the book of Acts <clears throat> tells about the first church in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verses 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, uh, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And then it describes how churches were established in other cities as the gospel spread. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified uh, uh, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit were multiplied. Acts chapter 15, verse 41. And he went through uh, Syria and Caesarea confirming the churches, Acts chapter 16, verse 5. And so were, were the churches established in faith uh, and increased in number 
daily. So <clears throat> the majority of the New Testament churches, at least from what we can tell, Paul had a big part in starting. If he didn't start them, one of his little preacher boys did start it. So <clears throat> uh, Paul had a, had a huge influence in the, in the early church. And what did, what did Paul teach when he would start a church? Somebody help me out. I'm sorry? Okay, well, unity was always part of it, but he always taught doctrine. Okay? The doctrine never changed. And doctrine should never change. But the practice of how a church operates is going to vary from what? From church to church. From country to country. From culture to culture. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I was, I've been in churches literally all over the world. And in Papua New Guinea, the preachers are barefooted. You know, it's the culture. They stand there, preach with a tie and bare, bare feet. Go figure. I'd rather lose the tie and put on some shoes. I just, you know. <clears throat> but you know what? It's their culture. So every church, God has given us freedom, if you would, to allow every church the ability to meet the needs of every person in that church. I think that's pretty awesome. Let's, let's continue reading. <clears throat> the next nine New Testament books after Acts, Romans, 1 and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are epistles or letters written to local churches. Paul is writing... Some of these churches he had never been to. Uh, Rome, the church in Rome, he had never he never was able to go to Rome. Or wait a second. Yeah, I was gonna say he did. He finally at the at the end of his ministry was able to go to Rome. <clears throat> but uh, uh, different churches. But if you read these different books of the Bible the doctrine never changes. But what's Paul doing? He's trying to help these churches to grow. And every book is different. Every church should be different. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse, verse 2. Uh, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, uh, called to be saints, with all that uh, in every place, call upon the name of the Lord, uh, excuse me, call upon the, ne the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. The three epistles following these, First and Second Timothy and Titus, are written to local church leaders. Thus, 12 of the New Testament um, uh, epistles specifically deal with organization and operation and relationships within the local church. Just what is the local church and how is it structured? So <clears throat> what we're going to be talking about now from here on through the rest of this chapter is the structure of the local church. So before we move on, anybody have any questions? Churches, you know that's true, that that doesn't happen. And like Pastor Tight even said, that he said that's awesome. Your church is just—it's unique. Baptist churches are notorious for um, how, how do I want to say it? Kind of like me in class. If the teacher's talking, you're not talking. Yes. 
Okay, we've been in a lot of churches. In fact, when I got saved and started going to church a uh, little over 40 years ago, uh, the church that I was, uh, that we met in and got married in, I was baptized in, was a very old established church in the Deep South, in the Bible Belt. And and boy, I mean, <clears throat> there would bless God, this is the way we've done it for the last 40 years, and we ain't changing. Okay, I mean that. I mean that's. I mean that was it. And and. <clears throat> You didn't ask questions. You know, I, I mean, you just did not. And and the pastor never stood up in front of the congregation and said, hey, did anybody have any questions? Boy, that never happened. And <laughs> we have had people recently in the last couple of years say, wow, I've never been in a church that does that. Well, you know, I, I think the reason we do that is is for a couple of reasons. One is because when I was saved, <clears throat> I got saved, I was in the military, and I, I knew nothing about Christianity. And I had a lot of questions and nobody nobody to ask. And I went and this is this is the truth here. <clears throat> there were things that I wondered about and did not learn until I was in college, Bible college. Just because nobody was ever available to ask. And I told the Lord back whenever God started directing us here, I, I, I told the Lord, I said, I will always, always be available for anybody who has a question. Because it hindered my walk with God, I believe. Yes? Yes. Just, just, yeah, just thought it. <laughs> well, that, and that's the whole point. I, I mean, I mean, what, what is, what is the point of church? Okay, um, okay, and I, I'm going to tell you my thinking on it. Okay, because th- th- this is so important. If if I got up here three times a week and preached a message and got no feedback, how how do I gauge how I'm doing? Does that make sense? When 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 I was in college, one of the things that I I was fortunate enough to do, I was also a professor. I taught I taught one of the classes at the at the college. Um, and one of the things that I would do for those of you who are students, I would give tests and I learned really, really quick as a professor, what is the purpose of a test to gauge knowledge? It wasn't so that I could torture the kids. Okay. Even though I, I kind of enjoyed that part. Um, and, but it wasn't, that wasn't the point. The point was not so that I could torture these poor kids and see how much I could watch them squirm. But if, you know, if, if I give a test and, and it comes back and, and the majority of the guys uh, uh, in the class uh, failed or did very poorly, it was a reflection on my ability to teach. And obviously I needed to change something. 
but the, the reality was I was such an easy teacher. It wasn't a problem. Um, <clears throat> but in all the years I taught, only one guy failed the class. And, and he deserved to because he was a lazy good for nothing. But anyway, <clears throat> and I hope he's watching. So, <clears throat> but it is so important. And, and and again, one of the one of the characteristics of Grace Baptist Church is the fact that that we do that. And there's not many churches that really do that. Not that we're special, it's just that's just the way we are. And <clears throat> every church needs to be different to meet the needs of that of that congregation. Now in the deep south, you could, you know, that church functioned very well. It was a very large church, it did very well, you know, and everybody there except for me grew up in church. <laughs> you know? And most of the people grew up going to Sunday school, and they had all the answers. I remember uh, <clears throat> I got saved in June, and we started dating in November, and it came time for Easter. And the pastor's up there making a big deal about Easter, and, and, and she's all excited. And I looked at her, and I said, what's the big deal? I mean, I, I mean, to me, it was about a bunch of, you know, Easter bunnies and eggs, and you know, I had no, I had no clue about the resurrection. And when she explained it to me, it was like, oh, wow, okay. But see, I didn't know. And here, here, the church was getting, everybody's getting excited about it, and I'm totally in the dark. And it, it, it ought not be like that. And, and let, let me say this while we're talking about this. <clears throat> Those of you that have been saved a while, you need to be cognizant of the newly saved people around you in our church because there, there are a lot of first-generation Christians in our church that don't know all of the things that we know. Yes. Right. I've seen a lot of Christians go off the rails and, and actually turn away from God just because nobody took the time to disciple them. That, and that's why we've been doing this all year, so that we can understand. You know, because honestly, you know, um, when we started this a year ago, um, the reason we did that is because there are some of you in this church that have been saved a long time that still you're learning stuff here. Yeah, you know, and that's why we're doing it. But we need to always be cognizant of the fact that there are people all around us that need to get saved and that, that are saved and that are have never had the opportunity to grow like you have. Any other questions before we go on? <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, amen. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> your next blank here. Uh, the local church is a called out assembly. Okay? Uh, Jesus first announced his church in Matthew chapter 16 uh, when he and Peter, or he, and, when he told Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Turn over. I'll look at Matthew chapter 16. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> I 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and following. Uh, it says, uh, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked his disciples, saying, Who, Whom do men say that I, uh, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, uh, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, uh, Simon uh, Barjona, uh, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but, the, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there are a lot of, um, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of false doctrines taken from this passage. And what, well, let, let's go ahead and read these next two paragraphs, and then we'll talk about it. <clears throat> Although some have taught that Jesus in this passage was making Peter the first pope, uh, reading um, the surrounding verses show that when uh, Jesus said, "Upon this rock," he was not—he was referring not to Peter uh, 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 himself, uh, but to the declaration Peter had just made that Jesus is was indeed uh, the Son of God. Thus, Jesus stated he was building the church on himself. And he is the foundation, the founding rock, the cornerstone. Uh, also, you can look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Um, the word Jesus used uh, uh, for church is the Greek word ekklesia, uh, and it means a called out assembly, uh, a local church is a group of people who are called out uh, from the world in the, in the sense that they have identified with Christ and are joined together for the purpose of forming a church uh, as described in the New Testament. So when Jesus is talking to Peter, uh, and, and people will say, well, the, the name Peter means rock. How many of you ever heard that? Okay, that, that is not accurate. The word Peter means pebble, not rock. Okay? And when he says that, he is not saying upon this rock. He is saying upon this rock. And he's referring to himself. Uh, and those passages that we, we mentioned here in Ephesians and 1 Peter talk about Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And he is the rock that the church is built on, not Peter. <clears throat> Besides, Peter could not have been the first pope because he was married. <clears throat> so anyway, that's a little, a little, a little doctrine there for you. <laughs> um, so uh, any questions about this? Because this, this, this has been confusing for some people. Yes, ma'am. I, 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 it could be. I, I don't know. Um, but the, the, the name Peter means pebble, not, not rock. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's about all I can, that's about all I can say on that. Anybody else? Some of the translations like that do not take a word for word translation. They take a thought for thought. Yeah. And so, and that, that one does that. Okay. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, your next blank here. The local church is patterned uh, after the New Testament church. Uh, at the first of the year, uh, our, our theme this year is striving together. Uh, at the first of the year, we took several weeks at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we went through 
the pattern set forth in the book of Acts and and tried our best to examine it and compare it to what we are today. And because of that, uh, you know, we hopefully are a better church because of that. My goal uh, as a pastor is not to create a church that is patterned after what I think a church should be. My goal as a pastor is to look at Scripture and say, okay, what does the New Testament church say? What, what is the pattern set forth by Christ himself in the New Testament? What does the book of Acts look like? How, how does Grace Baptist Church, what, how are we supposed to look? Um, and and that, is, that is how we try our best to pattern our church in 21st century America to meet the needs of our people. Any any questions or statements? Okay, let's continue reading. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, uh, we see a pattern uh, for how a local church is organized, uh, what it believes, and how it operates. Uh, We will look at this uh, using an acrostic uh, of the word Baptists, <clears throat> Although there are local churches in other denominations, uh, um, <clears throat> let's see. Although there are local churches in other denominations, uh, our church uh, is a Baptist church because, as 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 a whole, uh, this uh, list sums up Baptist be- uh, beliefs and practices uh, for the church. Now, these are Baptist distinctives and uh, what, it, what sets Baptist churches apart from others. We believe this list um, most accurately reflects the New Testament teachings <clears throat> of the church. Recently, I was talking with someone, uh, and they asked me uh, a very simple question, and, and, and it was a good question, well, so what makes a Baptist church different than any other church? Okay, is that not a legitimate question? Okay, now let me ask you another question. <clears throat> Does the principles that we're getting ready to look, look at here that identify a Baptist church, does a church have to have Baptist on its name? No, it doesn't, okay? I have had multiple people ask me, well, then why do you have Baptist on the name of your church? And the reason we do that is so that anybody that is familiar with Scripture that looks at our church, the name of our church, should know what we stand for, okay? If we called ourselves Grace Church, but we believed all these things, okay, is, is, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But by identifying ourselves as Baptists, it identifies us as believing a certain um, distinctive that makes our church different than any other church. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, a, a non-denominational church <clears throat> can believe anything. Okay. They, they, can, they can say, okay, we believe this, and we believe this, and we believe that. And then, you know, down the road... You know what? Yeah, we're not gonna we're we're gonna change our our doctrine and we're gonna go here and do this and do that. So so um, that's why when when we started Grace Baptist Church, we were very careful that we identified it as Baptist, not that we're waving a Baptist flag and we want people to that that's not that but we wanted to as people look at churches in our town, they know. If they understand scripture, they should know basically what we believe. Does that make sense? Brandon? Yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a church that's not 
Thank you. Thank you. Yes. There, there you go. Yeah, and, and I'm glad he said that because just because the church says they're Baptist doesn't always mean that they are Baptist. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. It is. It is, and that, and that's why that's why we have the name Baptist on our church. Now there are some people. Right, and there and there are some people, and I've I've had people say this to me. Well, but I grew up in a Baptist church that was really mean, and and they you know they did this and they did that, and so I will never go to another Baptist church, and and I say you know what. I, I'm sorry that that happened, but that has nothing to do with the name Baptist. That's just a mean. That's just a mean church. Okay. Period. So let me. I want to say yes, ma'am. But we, we do we took that as you know our own responsibility, and I understand you know you're a young Christian for people who are not saved are not going to understand that. Right. But we were in a different position. We, um, right. we we took it as our responsibility to come in and start asking the right questions. Oh, absolutely, not absolutely. Just, oh, they're Baptists, they're good, cool. No, oh, I I I won't tell you who it was because it's not important. But when we started. Grace Baptist Church. We tried to visit everybody that came at the very beginning, and and um, one of the families that came at the very beginning, um, we went to their home and we sat down in their living room, and uh, you know we chit chatted for a little bit, and I said, "Well, do you have any questions for me?" And she's like, "You know, I'm glad you asked," and I am not exaggerating. She pulled out a legal pad, and she had what six pages. Of questions, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I had a, I had somebody this week that had you know just a ton of questions. And hey, you know what? That's fine. You know that's fine. Because why? Why would somebody do that? Because they had been in what I would call a mean church, and they were fearful, and they wanted to make sure that that this church was not going to be like that. And, well, and well, not all of us, but most, many of us. Yeah, we we've been there. Yeah, you know. And the reason I brought that up, right, is because that's the very she's pointing out. Like, yeah, I knew. You know, first of all, when I hear Baptist, of course, I listen to Charles Stanley every morning, and so I know I'm getting straight up. There's that hope on me, so that that means closing my Right. Right. And 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 you know. I I can only give you my experience, okay? Uh, when I was a kid growing up, <clears throat> I, I, I did not go to church at all, period. No, no church at all. But in our town where, where we lived in California, <clears throat> um, we had a lot of churches. We had, we had uh, Baptist churches. We had... Um, um, Seventh Day of Venice, and I mean, we had all, all the churches, but there was one church in town, and it was the closest church to me, and it was it was the Corona Community Church, because it was in Corona, California, and the Corona Community Church, and, and as a teenager, an unsaved teenager, I said to myself, if I ever go to church, I'll never go to that church. Because they they stood for nothing, that that was my thinking as an unsaved teenager. That's just that's just what I thought. And and, and, and yeah, exactly. And and see, that's what I'm saying. But 
all I'm saying is that Baptist is the 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 the, the title Baptist comes with a set of distinctives that make it unique. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, here in the next little bit. Yes, ma'am. Oh, it, it is. It is. Yes, ma'am. And and it's in Baptist churches. False doctrine is in Baptist churches. And I, I'm not saying that just because the church has Baptist on the name that, that that it's right. Okay, that that's not what I'm saying. But it should <laughs> it should stand for certain things, and that's what we're going to talk about. So the first thing that it should stand for, the B in Baptist, is biblical authority uh, in all matters of faith and practice. Okay, the biblical authority. The Bible is the final word, not a man, not a, not an organization, but the, the Bible. Okay, um, <clears throat> we believe the Bible is inspired and infallible, and the final authority. It is for God. It is excuse me. It is from God's word that we understand and teach the fundamental doctrines of our faith as well as pattern our church polity and structure our, of government. Okay, So the Bible is the final authority. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay, Now, <clears throat> when I was ordained as a pastor... Or, or, or not a pastor, but a, a, a preacher of the gospel, okay? Um, I had to submit a doctrinal thesis, if you would. Uh, they call it an a, a ordination paper. And I had to go through and identify um, different ologies. You know, uh, bibliology was the very first one. Bibliology, what, what, anybody know what bibliology is? Okay, it's the study of the Bible. Why is that the first ology, if you would, the first theology that, that a, a, a preacher needs to deal with? Yeah, everything, every, you know, you don't, get your, you don't get your bibliology right. The rest of your doctrine is going to be messed up. And as a church, everything that we do as a church should go back to this book. Period. Yes. Supposed to, but not not all do. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think I'd have to look, but I think my certificate of uh, of uh, ordination says. <laughs> Okay, it says to ordain to the gospel ministry is, is how my ordination reads, yeah. So, okay. Anybody else? But if we don't get the if we don't get this one right, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Every everything that we do in our church needs to come from this book. <clears throat> the next one, letter A, B A, uh, the autonomy autonomy or self-governing power of the local church. Because Christ is the head of the church, we believe that every local church should be independent of a heretical framework or outside governmental structure. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that is, um, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet and gave, and gave him uh, to be the head over all things of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So, um, People will often ask me, <clears throat> what kind of Baptist are we? 
Okay, how how many of you are familiar with the 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 variety of Baptists that are out there? Okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, you. I mean, there are literally hundreds of different types of Baptists. Um, you in the Deep South. Uh, you know, the, the 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 biggest one is the the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, and then you have um, American Baptists and Conservative Baptists and and Free Will Baptists. I'm sorry, Missionary Baptists. And uh, you have in the Deep South. Uh, I, I I've never been to one. I, I think I think one time we we almost went to one when we were living in North Carolina. Um, but they have they have uh, snake handlers, where well, they, but it's still it's um, there there are there, I, I am not exaggerating, there are couch Baptist, <clears throat> yeah, the preacher preaches in a reclined position. I I don't know I I that's beyond me I but they're they're out there, they're they're. There are there are foot washing Baptists. How many of you ever heard of those? Okay, yeah, that you know, which I don't necessarily think is necessarily bad. I just think it's a little weird. Um, but <clears throat> you know, there there is all kind of Baptists out there. Okay, and the the word autonomy here is it means self governing. Why is that word so important? No outside influences. Our church should be able to do what our church feels is important. And if we want to wash each other's feet, we should be able to do that. Now, you know what is really funny about that is everybody that I've ever known that has gone to a foot washing church, you know what they do before they go to church? They wash their feet. It kind of defeats the whole point. You know, it's... (laughs) Anyway, uh, but but seriously, if 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 our church wants to put in purple carpeting, that should be our choice. No, nobody has nobody outside of our church has should have anything to say about that. Okay. Five hundred one C three. So, if you're a church and you're part of that, then it's I've heard that well, then the government's got to put a whole lot of churches, build a church because you've designated that. Okay, currently, currently with the five hundred one C three, and I need to I need to button it up. Uh, currently with the five hundred one C three, if if a church is a is a 501c3 registered with the with the federal government then the government does not have any control okay currently okay uh, basically all it does is it it recognizes the church as being a church a a religious organization okay <clears throat> That's going to change, okay? Um, that that it's actually in the process of changing, and what what's going to happen is the federal government is going to say, and, and I'm saying this because it, it is in the process of changing. Um, the federal government in the next year or two, yeah, is is going to say, hey, if you don't accept certain things and people into your church then you'll lose your 501c3 status. And No, we do not. We do not. Churches do not have... Okay, we do not have a business license. Um, now, our church is not a 501c3 church. Okay? It, it, we are what they call... 501c3 compliant. Okay, we meet all the requirements. We've just never registered with the federal government. Okay. 
Okay, that's <laughs> because of that very issue. Yes, sir. It, it well even being 501c3 compliant makes us tax exempt. Okay, so um, just as long as we're compliant with the 501c3 guidelines and the fact that we're you know we're registered with the state as a religious organization, so on and so forth, uh, we are tax exempt. Yes, with the with the exception of uh, the, the the property we own out on Farm District Road, we pay taxes on because we don't use it. If we used it, we wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. And the reason I bring all that up is because of that. That we have no, we have no. That, now I want to say this, and and I, I'm way over time, and I'm sorry, but this is important stuff. Um, back when COVID hit, the the first round of um, payments that the the federal government did, they gave a lot of money to churches. Well, yeah, yeah, churches could apply for this quote-unquote free money. And Christian lawyers all over the country were saying, don't do it. Because as soon as the government gives you money... And we had people Yeah, we had people calling us, telling us, hey, you need to apply for this money. And I said, there is absolutely no way we are going to apply for anything from the government. And those churches are really regretting it right now because it's, it's coming back. And some of these larger churches got thousands of dollars. And the government's saying, we want it back. Yeah. So anyway, all right, let's pray and we'll be done. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Uh, we ask that you would uh, uh, bless this evening. Uh, help us as a church to uh, be unified. Help us to uh, keep you and this book at the center of everything that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.